welcome back to the Center Conversations podcast. I am your host, Brendan. And I'm John. And we are so glad that you're joining us today. The goal of these conversations are to help you make Jesus the center of your life every day. That is right. Um, today's topic, episode number two, John. Um, today's topic is your body as a temple. And that's what we'll be talking about today. Um, I said this last week on um, our episode about how to read the Bible well. I think it's just worth acknowledging again. We're going to keep these these podcast conversations to about 20 minutes-ish. Um, and it's worth mentioning, I think, that there is so much more here than we could ever possibly cover um, in 20 minutes. And again, um, we're just hoping that this is helpful to you, that this is at least a start maybe um, for you and a start of really a further conversation that we'd like to continue to have um, around these topics. But we're going to do our very best to just be faithful um, to the Bible and what we think the Holy Spirit is, is showing to us um, about these things. But let's start here because we're talking about our body as a temple. That's a very, um, I guess, sort of church popular sort of language around how we talk about our bodies. Um, and that really comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 6. So I want to just read this passage before we dive in, John. Um, we're starting verse 19. This is 19 and 20, the very end of the chapter there. Um, it says this, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor your God, or <laughs> therefore, honor God with your bodies. Now, here's the important thing to say. Um, this passage is talking specifically about sexual immorality. It's right. about honoring the, honoring God in, in the way that you um, kind of act in the world sexually. That, that's really what this talk is talking about. So um, I think, though, what this this does is these last couple verses in particular give us a little bit of a window into how our bodies actually work and how our bodies, um, how we should look at them and how mm -hmm. God sees them. Um, just there in, in verse 19, that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit of God is actually living um, and dwelling within us. And because of that, um, we don't own them. They are not ours. And, right. and that's, that's kind of a weird thing to hear in 2019, that we're not actually the owners of our own bodies. <laughs> well, we but, talk about it with money, too. Like yeah, you're, yeah, exactly. You're not owning, you don't own your money, but so many times we think we earn it. We're just stewards, and the same is yes. true with yeah. our body. Right, and, and in, same, in the same way, you know, we're called to give it back to God as a sacrifice. So, um, yeah, that the Holy Spirit dwells within us. We've received that gift from God and our bodies were bought with a price. And, and ultimately we believe that that was bought, um, by Jesus sacrifice on the cross. Um, but as we talk about this, John, um, we want to talk about honoring your bodies as a temple in the sense of like how we treat them and yeah. um, what we use to feed them, to fuel them, to take care of them. Um, and I think you've got a, a pretty interesting story just in your journey with that sort of process. And I'd love for you to share it if you would. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, food and exercise and diet and all this stuff is so personal and can be so like controversial. But I just want to share some of my story. I'm glad you asked. Um, I think for the first 22, 23 years of my life, I bought into something I'd call the myth of moderation. Now, all of us have heard when it comes to food or even maybe exercise, like do everything in moderation or you can have that, but everything in moderation. And often that doesn't lead to any better choices when it comes to <laughs> food or exercise. It's like, don't have five McDonald's for eyes have four or have three. Um, and I certainly bought into that. Uh, I was a full-time pastor and with this role comes a lot of unique responsibilities. And I was back and forth from my house a lot and, 
just didn't really invest time to cook real food or, or eat good things or really exercise. And my diet would commonly be fast food three, four, five, six times a week. It was just, I, I liked it. I would say I was probably addicted to it. I just love the salt and the burger and yeah. the pop and everything yeah, else. Soda, if you're listening somewhere else. But um, there came a time, it was actually right around this time, about three years ago, where I was reading a book about this person who was actually an ultra runner. They were a vegan, which means they don't eat any animal products. So. Just explain what's an ultra runner. Ultra runner is someone who's dumb. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. Someone who runs more than a marathon commonly. This guy had won a bunch of 100-mile races all over the place. I was reading. I was just fascinated. I was like, there's no way you could do all that physical stuff and not eat meat. Like, where do you get your protein from? Where do you get all this other stuff that I know I've heard that I need it. So anyway, I was reading that and I was interested. I had started running around that time just for fun, which is also an oxymoron to some people, but I started to enjoy it. And I felt like this nudge in my heart about what I was eating currently, the food I had. And uh, my wife challenged me for the season of Lent to give up eating animal products, which I was like, are you serious? Uh, no way. I'm not doing that for 40 days. But she's like, hey, I'll give you 200 bucks if you do it. And I was like, I'm in. <laughs> I'll do anything for $200. So I gave up all animal products, no butter, no dairy. Um, I guess butter is dairy, but no dairy as a whole, no seafood, no meat. I mean, just a lot of things that I, com- no eggs, a lot of stuff I commonly would enjoy. I gave it up. And during that time, God started to work on my heart and really challenged me with this. And I remember God asking me this question, not audibly, but I remember it as if it was, saying, John, you're willing to lead worship, you're willing to read your Bible, you're willing to uh, tithe, you're willing to do all these things that are really surrender issues, but you're not willing to surrender what you're eating and how you're treating your body to me. And that was like a dagger in the heart. And I knew that God was speaking directly to me about what I was eating. And so... From that point on, I just kept eating that way. Kept eating like largely plant-based, tons of fruits, veggies, nuts, seeds, all that weird stuff. But to me, it was like a big change. And there was some immediate physical effects, and it was really cool to see my body do that and and to start to run more and start to accomplish some running goals I had. But for me, it was a spiritual journey. And it was not just buying into the lie of moderation, but saying, I'm going to go all in. I'm going to double down on food that's really good for me and exercise and habits and disciplines and sleep patterns that are really going to make me a better temple so that I can do God's work. And I love Ann Wigmore, who's a nutritionist. She just talks about that. And she says, the foods you eat can either be the safest and most powerful form of medicine or the slowest form of poison. And I was like... As I remember reading that, I was like, that is so true. It's it's the cheapest health insurance you can buy as a yes. good good trip to the, the grocery store. Yes. And uh, so that was kind of the journey of of eating. And for me, it was really a surrender issue in my life. And and I just, it took that dramatic step. I'm an, I'm an extreme person. So it took going all in on that kind of thing to really change me. And it's been three plus years now. And I feel like God's really worked in that area of my life. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that <clears throat> something that's so interesting just about hearing you share your story 
um, in your journey with, I don't know what you want to call it, fitness, nutrition, sacrifice, you know, handing yourself over to God. Yeah. There's so many things that line up in my story as well. Um, I think a life that was marked by excess and too much and, and gluttony really is, it's a, it's a, it's a word we, we hear sometimes, you know, it's, um, one of the, one of the deadly sins, you know, like it's kind of just how we talk about that. Um, but so many of those things I saw in my own life as well. Um, but the one thing that I think has, and still sometimes does have power over me and has ownership over me in, in terms of my diet is sugar. Um, now here's what's, what's the funny thing about this. The first time I preached a sermon, um, at center, um, I had a ser- I had an illustration that I used about kind of a funny story. Like a lot of my friends, they, they know the donut story and what the donut story <laughs> is for Brendan. And it's kind of this thing we laugh about, but it's basically this time where um, I was sent home with a bunch of leftover donuts from a church event that we did. And I had those donuts gone in my car before I even got home. There was like, I don't know, just maybe not quite a dozen donuts in the box, which is like disgusting and so totally overboard, <laughs> but also hilarious, right? So it's funny. These but were it, not vegan donuts? It not, not vegan donuts okay, in, in any way, shape, or form. Um, but the the weird thing is like, it, it's this funny thing and we joke about it, but I think in a lot of ways, sugar um, has been a legitimate addiction for me. Now, I, I know a lot of people kind of roll their eyes when they hear the the term sugar addiction. They don't like put that on on, <laughs> on par with like an alcohol addiction or a drug addiction, um, but in a, in a lot of ways, that is really the same thing. And I've fought a lot of my adult life through just dealing with the fact that I just can't seem to get enough sugar, baked goods, sweets, you know, candy um, to the point where I just I can't I have to do everything that I can to keep them out of my house so that when they when they are around, you know, I can have them or whatever. But I know if they're in my in my pantry, it's it's bad news. <laughs> and so I've kind of gone through this whole um, journey of trying to eliminate some of that excess from my life and, you know, looking at just my journey with, with fitness and moving my body as well. I've gone from typically having this attitude of, you know, growing up, I wasn't very athletic. I didn't really play a whole lot of sports. So my mentality was, oh, I'm just not really wired or called to, to move my body in that way. So I just didn't ever, um, extremely minimal physical activity you know, never really did anything, worked out, ran, um, it's very really, spiritual of you to say yeah, I wasn't called to do anything. Yeah, I was, I was not, I'm not, I'm just not called to be Tim Tebow, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm not called to be fit or eat. <laughs> exactly. Right? Got it. Um, so it's like, like that's, that. it just wasn't my thing. It's like, ah, I'm not really a fitness person. So that means I just don't move my body ever. Um, and I think God in a lot of ways called me out of that. And that's been a crazy journey and I've, you know, fallen on my face literally and <laughs> metaphorically in, in my, uh, kind of journey with physical activity. Um, and again, I'm not, neither of us, we are so not experts, but we're just kind of sharing, I think from our hearts and our experience what that, um, has looked like for us. But I think, you know, if I could just keep going here just for a minute, what we kind of talked about when we were having this conversation earlier is a lot of this boils down to excess and, and finding what exactly it is, um, in your life, um, that there is an excess of, um, and I think like you, for you, you know, I, th- I think it was, it was me, it was like animal, animal products. And for you that laying that down was a big point of sacrifice for me. I think that was sugar. Um, in a lot of ways, I think for a lot of America, if I can just say this in our culture, it's alcohol. Um, we are 
exorbitant consumers of alcohol as a culture. And and that might sound a little harsh, um, but that's really just the reality of it. I've read some things um, where now kind of an, a normal amount of alcohol consumption can be anywhere from like four to seven drinks a week. Um, and that's a lot. And and to be honest, that's that's even changed the way that our, our doctors and, you know, sort of our um, medical system <laughs> in the United States has changed, you know. If, if you are asked by your doctor, you know, how much you drink or how many drinks you have per week, like that, that's a normal thing. When you go to get a checkup, they'll ask you, like, how much oh, do you drink a week? Um, and I think on the moderate level, we're talking about four to five drinks a week. Um, and even that, that's a lot. But I think there's there's almost this like sort of there's a certain level of alcoholism just baked into our culture. Right. where We've just grown to accept a certain amount of excess in that area. Um and I know, you know, I've, I've, if I could be totally honest, like I've, I've dealt with that in my own life. And when, you know, as I turned, um, 21 and frankly, even before that, you know, dealt with just, um, you know, everyone around me drank and drank a lot right. and it was, it was just hard to not fall into that trap as well. And, um, yeah, I don't know if that makes sense, but I've, I've been talking for a while now. No, it, that, but. it does. I think it's so funny. I, I don't know where you're listening from. It may not be Grand Rapids, Michigan, but where we're recording this, I mean, there's some of the biggest and most technologically advanced hospitals, and there's like 10 breweries within walking distance yeah, yeah. from them. So it's <laughs> just, it, the irony is very thick uh, while we're recording, and Grand Rapids is battling with Milwaukee as Beer City, USA. So yeah. It's just interesting, and I, I don't think about, if you had to kind of, we talked a little bit earlier, like, how does someone start? I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you may be like, oh my goodness, I'm not in great shape. I don't even know where to begin. Maybe there's even a sense of shame. Like, I don't want to walk into a gym because I don't want people to see me or I don't want to stop eating this food because it's a, it's a numbing effect. It makes yeah. me feel yeah, good, but I know it's me. not the right yeah. thing. Like, how would you start to turn the corner in a few of those areas that affect all, all of us the most? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think that... Um there, there's a bit of awkwardness here, right? Because again, we're not experts. We're not laying out the perfect plan to, to physical fitness. However, I think there are some, some areas where we're afraid to just speak objectively about some things that we pretty much have a consensus on, you know, the fitness community is divided in a lot of ways, but I think if you break it down to its core parts, we're pretty much all agreeing on the fact, you know, John is a vegan, I am not a vegan, but I would say we agree on like 99% of what is objectively good for our bodies. Right. So, um, and, and this is, this is it. I think it kind of what we had talked about. There's, there's three things, um, physical activity, your diet, and then your sleep. Those are, those are kind of three things, um, that are just huge, no matter who you are, how you're built, you know, what you think God's calling you to do. Um, and just starting with that physical activity, um, if you are living a sedentary lifestyle, um, I think it's important for you to know um, that that's just not how God has designed our bodies to be and to, to operate. Um, we are designed to move. We are designed to be active. Does that mean that um, right now, you know, God's calling you to be, you know, a, uh, an Ironman, like a triathlete, a crossfitter, <laughs> yes. you know, whatever it might be, an Olympic lifter? Yeah. It, maybe not. Um, but maybe for you, that just looks like moving your body three times a week. Right. You know, I think that's a good place to start if you're not working out at all. And it 
doesn't even necessarily mean you got to go out and get yourself a gym membership. Just just get outside. It's beautiful out right now in right. Michigan for for Michigan standards. <laughs> <laughs> that was the most tongue in cheek we've ever said. <laughs> thing we've ever said. But but honestly, I mean, just just get outside yeah. and take a few laps around around the the block. Just get yeah. out with your dog, whatever whatever that looks like for you. Bike ride. Um, but we're just we're designed to move our bodies, and and you will feel better physically for it. So right, and I think that that leads into like the second thing of just talking about diet. I think I mean I know people, and I was this way, who have a pretty decent exercise routine, but don't change their food, and they notice almost no result, yeah. no change, yeah. and that's because so much of our of what our input is 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 food. I mean, all of our input, I should say, is food. And so when you are just outputting and not changing what's going in, you'll obviously really not notice any big difference. And I think for for many of us and for me still, it's just identifying and eliminating where's the excess. How do I trim away the fat, pardon the pun, of yeah. like in my life? If I'm having fast food every single day on the way to work, maybe it's cutting that down three or four times because yeah. eventually you need to probably cut it all out. Like and that I think, don't be afraid to take small steps, but realize that big change often comes that way. It's just like really small incremental changes and habits will start to trigger other positive habits. And and I I know that everyone knows that internally, but so did I. Mm-hmm. And I didn't change anything mm-hmm. until I started to take. For me, it was like a radical forty-day journey of just cutting it all out. And some people could maybe need to do that. Yeah. But for others, it may just be starting really small, but watching what am I putting in because that's ultimately going to be what I get out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I think you know, um, we were talking about this earlier too. But one of my all-time just just favorite small things in life is a, a cheeseburger and French fries. <laughs> Same. And I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that. I think you just. Um, I've kind of changed my model of behavior from like, man, I'm an adult, so I can eat a cheeseburger and French fries every night of the week now, you know, which I can and have right. done in my life. <laughs> right. And, and I've kind of shifted from like, man, I am really gonna, I'm really gonna enjoy that cheeseburger and French fries that I'm going to have on Saturday night once a week. And it's going to be a beautiful thing. I'm going to go out to eat and it's going to be wonderful. And then throughout the rest of the week, I'm going to eat a, I'm going to eat some salads, some shakes, right. some, you know, some, some fruits and veggies. I'm going to, you know, eat nuts, like those, those sorts of things. Yeah. Um, but just enjoy that cheeseburger and French fries, but just be able to find excess in your life. And I, you know, people, people are very smart. Like people, if, if they're willing to take a look at their life, I think the vast majority of people are, are able to identify excess. Uh, totally. Yeah. I've had McDonald's five times this week already. So maybe... Maybe that's a first step for you, and 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 there's no need to be ashamed or embarrassed if if that's you, because I've totally been there, um, and it's just about making steps uh, towards eliminating that excess. And then I think lastly, um, and this this is probably the most overlooked, I would say, yeah, from the sort of fit quote unquote fitness community and from the non fitness community, right. right? I mean, it's like about how hard how hard can you grind? Can you wake up extra early and get to the gym? Right. Well, look, if you're getting three four hours of sleep you're not helping your body and you're not helping the people around you because I'm, you know, John, we, we work together. I'm no good to you. If I got three hours of sleep last right. night, I'm just not. And, and, and it's, just, it's the same the other way around. Um, experts are saying objectively, you need to be getting six, seven, eight hours of sleep per night. Um, and it doesn't matter if you think you're a superhero or if you're the <laughs> hardest worker, you know, right. Um, you've got to get that rest. I mean, that just what that does for you physically, what that does for you mentally, spiritually, 
um, is just so, so key. It's true. And I, I think about Dave Ramsey is like a financial guru, speaks a lot on the radio, Christian guy. Like he talks about just the principle that children do what feels good, but adults devise a plan and follow it. I think that's yeah. true when it comes to our finances as much as that, or maybe even more true when it comes to our bodies. It's like, what's your plan? And if your plan is, man, I need to get more sleep, then set a timer on your phone. Uh, figure out, okay, I'm going to go to the same, same kind of pick an hour and decide I'm going to be getting ready for bed at this hour or whatever. Like I literally slept nine hours last night. I feel awesome. I can't wait for today. But if I sleep five or four and I've had a couple nights this week where I didn't sleep very well, I feel it immediately. And I think for many people, sleep is a secret weapon. It would change their fitness as much as it may change their spiritual yes. growth as well. They just don't know yes. it. And I think a lot of these things we're talking about, we just like to separate out as, okay, here's my spiritual life and here's my physical life. Mm -hmm. And God wants them to be one and the same so that he can work in all areas and ultimately make us kind of what he wants us to be. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's so good. So good. Okay, so lots to think about, obviously. And, you know, there's a lot more that could be said about this. And we'll, it's almost lunch. Well, yeah, it is almost <laughs> lunch. Chinese hungry? Yeah, I am. <laughs> Five guys is sounding pretty good. Yeah, right now. that's true. That's true. Um, we is. were just debating the best uh, cheeseburgers uh, over. Right. That may deserve its own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that could get its own 20 minutes. All right. So that being said, um, there's a lot to think about there, but just take a step. That's that's what we'd encourage you to do. You're you're so loved. Um, God cares for you. He cares for your body. He cares for um, just your longevity, your health, your life. I mean, you just these things matter to the heart of God. And so um, just know that um, and know that there's absolutely no judgment coming from us. Um, but we love you and we want what's best for you as well. And we're growing and learning this together. So totally. um, if you're listening today, thank you for listening. Mm -hmm. um, and if you have any thoughts um, or questions or ideas or topics or things you think would be helpful or interesting for um, us to just continue this conversation with, um, send them over to podcast at centergr.com. That's an email we're using to sort of facilitate that. So hit us up there. Um, and we'd love to have you join that conversation. So if you're listening, um, get involved. That's, yep. that's the best way to do it. So until next time, grace and peace. Grace and peace. Grace and peace.